1: Welcome to another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast. It's brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac dealers. And of course, it's Jordan Hall and Katie Emmer joining you today. And Jordan, I'm going to let you do the honors. We have a very, 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 I don't even know how many berries I can put there, special guest. Hopping on the pod today, first time visit, and I'll let you do the honors here.
0: Katie, absolutely thrilled to introduce someone that everyone knows in Philadelphia, Al Morgani. Al, thank you so much for joining us. No worries.
2: I thought I'd join the kids on the podcast. Something You know,
1: <laughs> you know what, Al? I mean, I, I was almost just like, do you want to host it? Like, do you want to go ahead and do this? You're the pro no, here no. for sure.
2: I've done, I've done enough in my career. I get to see you with glasses on, which I never do on the air. And then I get to see Jordan all of a sudden looks like, you know, John Lennon's little brother. <laughs> He's got a whole new look going on there. I like it. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, this is what we needed on the pod. We're just these little one-liners that you can't find anywhere else. Al is such a, such an honor. It's fun to uh, have you on Flyers Pre and Post, but even better to have you right here on the pod. Um, a lot of different things Jordan and I uh, you know, plan to get into with you today. Uh, we'll get into the series and the, where the Flyers find themselves now after game four. But first and foremost, it, you know, it was probably, what, two days ago now, um, a, a big moment in sports, a historic moment across sports. Uh, we had 72 hours, especially in the NHL, where no games were being played. And, you know, what we really want to focus on here were Elaine Vigneault's comments. I know you were on uh, pre and post that night following this, uh, this NHL pause, this sports pause if you just go back in summary to what he said after that, you know, game three and then before, you know, game four, just that statement about I am a man of faith. This is, you know, my honest truth. Um, what do you really make of Elaine Vino and how he was able to represent himself after those comments um, after game three?
2: Well, I think you saw how mad he was. I guess the word would be indignant that people would question your integrity as a human being. I can see saying you misspoke or something, but it got much deeper than that. And you know, Katie, at this point, you, you, you almost can't be right uh, to half of the people. You know, Jeffrey Lurie came out and had a long thing about social justice for the Eagles. And people were saying, well, I don't want to hear that. And then Elaine Vigneault, Elaine Vigneault says, I just, I, you know, mostly I was involved with hockey. It's like, I don't want to hear that. So you're kind of in a no win. However, I think I think more than a couple of media members went way over the line questioning your to your soul, your, your, your humanness, your integrity as a human being. And I think he rightfully called out some people for just going too deep.
0: Yeah. I um, Yeah. We saw some people really, yeah. Like you said, question the man that Elaine Vigneault is. And um, I thought it was good that Elaine Vigneault came out and said, I was guilty. I was guilty of not knowing more. I need to educate myself on the topic. Um, he didn't even know that players within the NHL were kind of starting to talk about obviously postponing the playoffs. Um, and I, he, he admitted he, I, he was guilty of this. He should have known more. He should have checked up. And I think he owned up to that, but I think he wanted to come out as well and also just kind of defend his honor and just say, Hey, you know, for those questioning my integrity, um, I am a good man. Here's what I stand for. Uh, and please remember that, please know that. Um, do you think it, it was, um, irresponsible for some people to really question who he is, especially given he's, he's in his first year in Philadelphia. A lot of people that have followed him within the Flyers fan base probably haven't gotten to know him as much given he's only been here for one season.
2: Yeah, I think so. Especially, uh, you know, we get caught up in Philly, the, the media here. Now, if you're in a bubble, you're in Canada, and then the reaction in Canada was uh, there was some really tough words that's thrown his way. And I think he just had to respond to that because look – you you can question how I coach a game. You can question that. You can honestly question with this going on. Maybe I should have been more in tune with the locker room. But and I can see that's a valid point. You've got players coming out. Maybe you should have been in tune with that. But you can't question that. Um, like I I I'm soulless because of this. And that's that's like people just get swept up. Uh, and I understand it's tough times and it's an unusual times. Um, but there's there's a point where you have, to just, you have to just be more human about your criticism, uh, that you can't really go at somebody's basic, are you a good person because of this? Well, you made a mistake. It doesn't mean you're the devil incarnate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's such a good point, Al. You know, you can judge me as a coach, even for us. Like, you can judge, judge us as broadcasters or writers or whatever we do, but when you come at your personal side of things and who you are, who you are, your soul-wise and everything like that, it, it's a great point. But Elaine Vigneault, again, with that powerful statement, we heard it, um, you know, and that historic 72 hours, as I mentioned, we see the games resume at, you know, especially NHL. It's what we're going to narrow in on. The Flyers with uh, back-to-back games, Al. You were on with our, our game on uh, Saturday it was a loss, of course, a 3-1 loss, and then another loss on Sunday. So now the Flyers find themselves down 3-1. to uh, Tough, tough situation. We were getting into this before we went live. It's, it's a tough, um, uh, like I said, situation to find yourself in, in a series in the playoffs. And now you know so much about the playoffs, um, just as far as your coverage and seeing that they're a whole different animal. How can the Flyers climb out of this deficit if, if they can?
2: Well, unfortunately – you, anybody in their first year of hockey has as much experience as I do with 40 in this situation <laughs> because I've never covered a bubble. And I know that in normal circumstances, the game where you, you eliminate a team, an elimination game, is the hardest. They come back at you with, the, with their most fierce roar. I don't know that that's going to be the case, and it's going to be interesting because we have four teams facing the same thing. If you're not buying in that we can win it all, Is it worth staying in a bubble or is it worth working hard, as hard as we can to stay in a bubble to be eliminated two days later? We'll have to be in here. I'm real curious about how all four teams react, specifically the Flyers. I'm real worried about where their upside is here. The the Islanders played their worst game of the series and the Flyers couldn't take advantage. And the other worrisome part was they had the Lindblom emotional package coming in that he was on the pregame skate. So you had plenty of that emotion working. You had a new goaltender, a veteran goaltender that everybody likes. You had that working. But worse than that, the mistakes that were made, again, were made by their better players, if not their best players. Uh, Niskanen, who's been a rock most of the season when he's been in there, had some terrible pinches and decisions. Uh, Provorov, who's been their guy, made some bad mistakes. We'd seen Couturier throughout the playoffs make it. That's what worries me. When you say they're best players, they're not scoring okay, but usually you don't make that mistake. And they couldn't, uh, they couldn't overcome that. And they, could, they couldn't take advantage of the Islanders' mistakes. And the Islanders made a lot of mistakes. And then the real mark of a good team to me, and that's why the Islanders are frightening to me, their goaltender makes a big save a couple of times, and then they come back and score. And that is a very, very tough equation to beat if you're if you're trying to beat that team in a in a, play, in a game. Never mind a playoff series. That's
0: such a good point. Now a lot of people are making you know are huffing and puffing about the lack of goal production. Obviously, from guys like Claude Drew who hasn't scored a goal in the playoffs. Travis Konechny hasn't scored a goal in the playoffs. Jacob Borcek, he's scoreless in the series after a really good series against the Canadians. A lot of people are pinpointing that, but they really have made mistakes. Um, in the back end, and I have led to odd man rushes. Uh, And those are probably just as um, noticeable as the lack of goals because, um, Al, do you believe that this series is a little closer than it may seem? Some of these games were one-goal games, tie games, and then they had maybe one or two real costly breakdowns, and all of a sudden, that's the game. Some of the Flyers players believe it's a tighter series than it may look. Uh, Do you believe that's the case? If they can clean up maybe one or two mistakes, this could be a different series?
2: It could. I mean, the goaltender making you know, goaltenders may have made big saves, but have also let leaky goals through. I do think, however, in a lot of ways, it's even been more lopsided. The the Flyers were within a goal, and it felt like they were down eight (laughs) when you really looked at what you have, what are the Islanders giving you? That's the problem. And you have, when you're that close, you have to take advantage. And I really haven't seen the ability to take advantage. It's a, it's a scary thing to see an island. I mean, the Islanders weren't that good through the regular season. And when, when you know, you talked about the, the top players making turnovers, like, well, a guy like Bavillier, for them, isn't scoring as much as he had in the past. but He's not making any defensive errors. And that's where I think, uh, that's where I see, that's where I'm really worried. And especially I'm worried about a guy like Konechny. Because you see when he gets frustrated. And it's now, it's normal you try to just bite off more than you can chew, literally, in terms of both throwing hands or going somewhere on the ice where you shouldn't. And I think that's a risk that they're gonna have to worry about. And uh, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about the kind of Giroux and Couturier. Giroux, for all of his faults, tends to be in the right place at at the right time. But boy, I'll tell you, Could they ever use him to get an early goal to feel like the weight of of everything is off of everybody's shoulders? Because what people sometimes fail to understand with a team like that, everybody feels for a guy that struggled and they know is under an enormous spotlight right now. And to have him have that relief uh, with a number of growing 25, 26 games, whatever it is, would be a relief not just for him but literally for the entire bench
0: visit your philadelphia area cadillac dealer today and experience the ultimate in iconic luxury
1: and that's a great point with drew i mean a constant conversation about when the captain is gonna you know contribute at least as far as scoring a goal these playoffs and a big point to remember that we've addressed to Al game is that it's not just Giroux, it's a variety of these different players and Connect Me, you mentioned too. The frustrations are clearly building and I think when you look over at the Islanders, they have guys even, you know, defensemen that are able to score. So up and down their lineup, so many different guys pitching in in different ways and that's just what seems to be their strongest suit. But back to the Flyers, after game three, um, you know, I believe it was Claude drew that said, you know, when we're playing our best game, we're a hard team to beat. We just have to do that for the full 60 minutes. And it has been such a thing for this team in this series. They, they have a good first period one game and then the rest of the game falls apart. Or even last night, we see just how strong that second period was. And then the third period starts with the Brian Elliott turnover and the whole game seems to fall apart in a way. They get a little, you know, extra life there at the end after Ivan Provorov's goal late in the minutes of that game. But... They still just can't keep that consistent 60 minutes. What's your concern with that? Because I feel like even with the starts, out, that was always a concern in the Montreal series, that first period. Like, they're, they're going to really have to fight here in the, even the first 10 minutes. And it seems like they've gotten a hold of that first period or, you know, different games, but they just can't maintain a full 60 minutes.
2: Yeah, my concern with that, Katie, isn't so much the Flyers as the Islanders. My concern is that the Islanders, when the Flyers come out and I'll play them, the Islanders don't get stung. There's an old saying in sports, you, you know, you don't know what you have. If you have a plan till you get hit, then you don't have a plan. Well, the Islanders have a plan, get hit, and then maintain the plan. And that's the real worry, that flood that the Islanders don't kind of fall apart when the Flyers finally put it together and come at them. The problem is the Islanders, they have a bad period. And, boy, they've looked bad for stretches. They've made turnovers. The Flyers don't cash on it. But then it doesn't rattle them. They come back. That's a sign of coaching. It's a sign of veterans on the team, whatever. And that is my worry. And when I look at the last game, of all the things that happened that last game, the turnovers, what bothered me more than anything was the goalies pulled, you're in the zone, and you cannot get the puck off basically off the boards, off the perimeter. And it's like you, you literally are outmanning them. And that team, they're almost zealots. <laughs> it looks like they've been they, – they they've drank the the, the the Lou Lamorello Kool-Aid and they sent them out there. <laughs> and they're just playing like these these winded-up guys that just play this defensive, this smothering thing at the end. And that, to me, really told me something, that the Flyers had them should, – they should have been rattled, it should have been chaos, and they didn't crack.
0: Yeah. And, and you, you – it's – the Flyers were playing with a desperation type of hockey, and the Islanders still didn't crack. And I, I could not agree more, Al. That's a sign that, uh, of what we can think of with this New York team. But we have seen we have seen some 3-1 series deficits be erased. Elaine Vigneault's actually done it twice with the Rangers. He's erased uh, a 3-1 series deficit two times. Al, do you think with Vigneault and the makeup of this team, do they have what it takes to do it, or do you just think the Islanders right now are just too much?
2: They have it. I mean, a lot will depend on goaltending. The problem with any statistic now is they don't matter. Because when you go back to any 3-1, you have a chance to go home and and get your home ice. And now all you're doing is going back to your room. And and you're, you know, that that dynamic doesn't change. Like, let's just, you always hear, let's just get this, then bring it home. And, you know, we can run at them at home. We can feed off of that energy you know, feeding off anything there. It, it's just you. And that's what's, uh, that's why when everybody bring up the flyers, haven't lost back-to-back games since whenever, or, and like, I find like, I don't find that it relates right now. I, I find that it's very difficult to, it's very difficult to put anything in here, except what's right in front of you right there. So three one historically means nothing to me right now. Cause there's no history to this. This is, Imagine you're behind and there's not only some guys feed off like that and they don't want to lose on the other guy's ice and have the crowd. You know, th- there's nothing like that to feed off. This is a, this is a real real coach's challenge to, to bring this in and, and team leader challenge to bring this in and get this together uh, facing these long odds. It's a, it's a far easier thing for the other side. And he's a hell of a coach tries to say, okay, let's clean this up and, if we can't go home, I don't know how good it is to go to Edmonton, but at least at least we're going to leave <laughs> where we've been for a couple of weeks and we get to at least look at new rooms or something yeah. like that. We get to move on. It's a real tough sell. This, he's going to have to be one heck of a salesman, Navy.
1: Yeah. You know what? We talk so much about that manufactured energy that even Kevin Hayes has to bring when you're on the ice, when you're playing a game in front of no fans. But in this sort of situation in a bubble, owl, you mentioned, there's no history behind it. There, there's nothing that you can back up with. How that manufactured energy in a series like this to keep you in it, to keep you in that Toronto bubble, um, and in the hopes of yes, advancing to Edmonton, who of course I'm sure they would love to go to, but we'll find out. I mean, I'm going back to you to a, you talk about the back to backs, how, how that doesn't matter, and, and that's a great point. Of course, they didn't lose back-to-back games since early January until last night. We see them uh, fall in two games now. Ivan Provorov had a quote today that said, It's not over until it's over. We have a great team, and we know how to battle adversity. I mean, that quote right there, I feel like throughout the season, it's been like that adversity means after a loss, they, they can bounce back. In this situation, yes, it's after a loss. But this might go back to what Jordan said earlier with, The adversity being those little mistakes. Ivan Prograb even having a couple there on that, what, second Brock uh, Nelson goal where he missed two passes across center ice and, you know, little mishaps he had, Matt Niskanen had, all of them are mindful of that. They've taken responsibility. But do you think that would be a drive just with their own – I wouldn't use the word ego, but just their own, like – Pride for, we know how this team is so close knit. So it's not like an individual pride, but all around just what they need to prove that they can do this and have a clean game uh, come tomorrow. Well,
2: I think so. I think they think they, they're going to owe it to the goaltender. They owe it to one another to come this far to put it together. I mean, Progrub, we saw how much it meant to him when they were eliminated and he was basically in tears for, you know, he played hurt the last time in the playoffs. And we've seen that. It ain't over till it's over. I didn't know the Russians had either watched Yogi Berra or Animal House. But I, I think I think that if you really look at it, Pro-Brob is the least of their sort of issues. Uh, on in terms of are we going to give up? Are we going to surrender? There's no surrender in in that guy's game at all. So that's not going to be an issue. Uh, Probrub, uh, Niskanen, I think will have come back with a solid game. There's the pride issue. Is hey, look, it, now it's just let's let's play our best game. If, if we're going to leave here. Let's leave here playing our best, as you mentioned, at 60 minutes. Let's leave. I did not think the previous game, they were a very difficult team to beat. I thought the last game, they were a difficult team to beat. Now they have to be a difficult team that can't be beat. It's another gear to go up. And boy, I'll tell you, if it, if it
0: happens, you just never know.
1: Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help.
0: I, I really don't think this team um, is a team that's going to quit. I don't think that's really in their dna at all i think they they do genuinely care but you just wonder if caring and trying hard is going to be good enough in this type of matchup against the islanders al before we get into game five and kind of looking ahead um what did you think about the decision to start brian elliott over carter hart i
2: was surprised i, I actually thought hart was going to go I, I guess i guess i'm surprised because i'm so invested into his future that i don't think as a coach I, I i sort of think as and i think fans are all guilty of this long time flyer fans it's been so long since i had that 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 franchise goaltender that they lose track and i did of the just game to game back you no know, they don't do this regularly in playoffs but one day then the next day back to back in terms of days and the other side did the same thing i think i lost track i I'm getting ahead. I'm like, I'm thinking in it. I'm not just looking. When I look at Carter Hart, even this game coming up, I don't look at just that game. I'm looking at like eight, 10 years, hopefully <laughs> of this. And that's why I was surprised. So it's probably an error on my part. If I was simply looking at this as goaltender, not future of the franchise, I made sense to make that move on back to back, but eh, <laughs> I, I couldn't do it because I'm, I just can't stop looking ahead with them, with him, even if it's on that particular night.
1: Yeah, he certainly built a lot. I mean, I, I feel like this is going to be a tough question, but I know you can get through it. You're always no good at coming up the with something. Maybe. I love that. No worries. Maybe. Okay. That's a good – that's good. It might be maybe. If the Flyers do lose game five, and none of us are thinking this, but you certainly are maybe, oh, you know, again. preparing –
2: yeah, the um, put it that way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, if they do lose game five, um, yep. would you deem this season as a success?
2: Hmm. Um I would be disappointed. Um, wouldn't it be a total failure, but a success? Man, that's a tough question. That is a tough question. Do you wanna you wanna I would, in I or, would, or do a maybe, I would, maybe I would, I would I would say it's – no, I wouldn't say it's a success. I'd feel – okay, I don't know how to judge it. I feel like this season was last year already. I'm so – I'm so disassociated with what happened earlier that I'm having a hard time. You know, they come back, the goaltender plays well. Yeah, there's there's elements of success, but – and they did win a playoff. Let's do this. Let's do this.
1: We're going to make it a little easier. We're going to separate the two, the regular season and the postseason. Did you find the regular season as a success? Yes, I and did. And maybe, we'll, maybe we won't start the postseason. We'll, we'll talk the regular season and that round-robin play and just what you saw from this team in that, I like Is the, that a success. I like the
2: regular season. But ultimately, if they go out in this and don't play well in this game, it won't feel like a success to me. Yeah, it, I know what you mean. Beca- because the Islanders weren't – it's not like – like if they lost to Tampa, Tampa or Boston – I know Boston – didn't play that well, hasn't, but I would feel more, okay, that's a better side all along. I don't necessarily feel that way against the Islanders, so I guess on balance, if you made me answer, if you, if you suddenly became nun Katie there, <laughs> that you had to have an answer, I would say, no, no, it's not a success. I expected them to beat the Islanders.
0: Yeah, it, I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting... Um pickle for fans because I think right now they're very emotional and frustrated because their team's in a 3-1 deficit. Uh, Hopes had really, really been building especially when you win your first playoff uh, series since 2012 and I think all of a sudden you start believing and you're not just happy with winning a series. All of a sudden you're really truly genuinely thinking Stanley Cup can this team actually get to the Stanley Cup and do something with it? Uh, And then all of a sudden, poof, you're in a 3-1 hole against a team that you thought you know, you could beat. It It wasn't the Bruins. It wasn't the Lightning. But at the same time, I feel like once the dust settles, I'm thinking some fans will, will say, well, you know what? Last year was a nightmare. We have a new coach. We have a new GM. We have a new team. We won a playoff series. There's new vibes. Um, and there's some hope for the future, too. Nate Thompson, I know not long ago, a veteran who has played in a West Final, an East Final, he thinks the team's really built for multiple years. He thinks it's not just going to be a one-and-done thing. So I think there's some fans on the one side of the fence, and then there's some thinking, hey, you know, we, we can celebrate this a little bit. You know, we made strides. We won a series. But, um, Al, I think you're right, though. At the end of the day, uh, you don't you – don't, the, the Flyers aren't about winning just a series and losing in the no. series. Um, it's got to be about more. Well, and the
2: other thing is once you come over the Walt Whitman Bridge or the Ben Franklin, whatever, the dust never settles. <laughs> I hate to tell you, but the yeah. dust is always moving in Philadelphia. So there's no there's no dust settling. Somebody's going to be upset about something. You can forget that dust settling. It ain't happening.
1: You know what? It, <laughs> I, you, if you say they're not going to be a success if they fall in game five, I understand that. But there is one thing, Al, that I, I know yep. Jordan and I agree with. That was a success. And no matter what, it's been you. You are. No <laughs> no worries did you <laughs> like what i did there wasn't that thoughtful it was
2: it I mean, was very yeah, it was it was cool I, I like your whole setup there for those that can not see i've got a refrigerator in the background with family it is pictures. what it is
1: and I you know what it. right on i live right on broad so you, you got the even the the feeling of you're in the city because you can hear someone laying on their horn every <laughs> two minutes <laughs> so go. that definitely is you know it adds more character the and setting. people
2: should know that my nickname for you is Land Lakes. So Land Lakes <laughs> has been real. And Jordan's been real.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do this again, Al. We'll definitely keep in touch. I mean, hey, we'll find out what happens, right, Jordan? Great. This is going to be an interesting uh, a go about tomorrow night. Game five, all or nothing. They're playing for their lives.
0: Yes, uh, Al Morgani, seriously, major, major thanks. Uh, I love your insight. I seriously look up to it, so really appreciate it. And you. your
1: jokes, and, and your one-liners, <laughs> everything you got. Yeah. Never, it's never repeated. It's always like the most original stuff that you, you have to say. So
2: I've never had a plan in my life.
1: Hey, before we go though, Jordan, I need him to do one thing. Can you please what? say Carter Hart?
2: Carter Hart. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good. The perfect sign-off, the perfect sign-off. I can now end the podcast happy. Yes, thank you again. Uh, I really appreciate your time, Alan. We can't wait to have you on again and hear you talk more Flyers hockey. All
2: right, guys, have a good one. That was wicked good, by
0: the way.
1: Yeah, Jordan, truly never a dull moment with Al Merganty. We we need to get him on here more. That's awesome. Always good insight, too. Terrific insight about, you know, his his hockey mind. He's just covered this game in every capacity for so many years. Um, And it's always interesting to hear what he has to say, especially about this current Flyers state. But before we go, I mean, we heard Al mention it there with Oscar Lindblom. What a moment to see him take the ice and warm ups ahead of game four. It truly was so uplifting. You know, it's all about him first and foremost, Jordan, but the whole team in general to have him there. We've heard quotes from different guys. Um, Kevin Hayes just saying how emotional it was. It's, it's emotional for everybody around him, but Oscar Limblom just getting through the, the strongest battle in his life um, and taking the ice. You're, you, you can't be any more happy for him and seeing his smile, Jordan last night, I mean, it, it just, it makes it even a better moment.
0: It does. And, you know, we forget what, how cool it was to see number 23 on the ice, uh, Limblam on yeah. the jersey, and to see his smile. And he looked like himself. It was just so cool to see again. And, um, you know, you can't help but think when he was diagnosed in December, you're not so much thinking about him playing hockey again. You're just thinking about him as a human. Uh, but this meant so much to him. It meant a ton to the Flyers, but uh, most importantly, it meant a ton to him uh, just to go, just to getting back. And um, I think it really uh, summed up his fight, summed up all that is in him, his character, who he is as a human and as a fighter. And uh, to get him back on the ice, to say he, could war- he warmed up before a playoff game uh, is just astounding. And uh, kudos to Oscar Lindblom and everyone. Uh, just such a cool thing to see. Katie Emmer, thank you as always. Uh, Special thanks to Ben Barry, our podcast producer as well. Uh, Flyers fans, this is your latest Flyers Talk podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.